Tiffany Knox. Wait, how am I supposed to pronounce it? Tiff Talks. You're listening to Tiff Talks with Tiffany Lamel. Good morning and welcome to Tiffany Talks. I have a very interesting show for you today. Um, Quite a bit of, of course, a lot of work is going on in the Biden administration. Uh, I have a very quick impeachment uh, trial update that I will give and um, I'll give some more information on some of the immigration reforms that Biden is trying to push through and the judge that is trying to block him in Texas. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about private prisons. He, uh, he being President Biden, just signed uh, some reform on private prisons as well. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. Erica Campbell is a... Uh, Erica Campbell, Jesus. I want to talk about a comment that she made, and then now this could be a a whole show on its own, so I won't spend a lot of the show on this, but I just want to touch a little bit about sin culture. Just, I'm literally just going to hit it and then back off because... It's a whole other show. That That is a show by itself. And then we have another introduction of another segment that I'm introducing this season in Tiffany Talks called Bible Review. I'll give you a little bit about what that is, and then I will have that segment in the second half of the show. You don't want to miss that. So it's a lot going on. The country is very softly reopening. I don't think that we have enough vaccinations yet to do this, but President Biden did just order 200 million doses of the vaccine. This should be moving towards the path of having everyone vaccinated in America by this summer. We'll see if that works. Um, Hopefully it does. You all have heard my thoughts on the vaccine. At first I was, you know, scared and everything else, but... From all accounts, it seems to be primarily safe. So I'm going to say it here and now. When you get an opportunity to take the vaccine, take it. Just take it. There's two doses. Now, the way that the Trump administration was delivering it was very haphazard. It it just was. Um, It just was. I could go on about that for the rest of the show. However, the Biden administration seems to be doing it better. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I do have more hope when it comes to the distribution of the vaccine under the Biden administration. Um, And again, I've been watching the news, watching the effects. I know people now at this point who have had it, had the vaccine. So... When I have to take it, I will take it. So I recommend you do the same. A lot more show coming up for you. You don't want to miss it. So keep it locked. This is Tiffany Talks with Tiffany Linnell. 
Welcome back to Tiffany Talk. So impeachment, um, as I mentioned yesterday, the impeachment trial won't is not set to begin until uh, the first week in February. Um, but there's already a lot going on. So they took a preliminary preliminary vote uh, today. What's today? Wednesday. <laughs> I'm losing track of days already. Um, they took a preliminary vote basically to see where the GOP stood. I'm sorry, it's supposed to begin the second week in February. Um, they took a preliminary vote to basically see where the votes would be. It was 55 to 45 against conviction of Donald Trump. So what does that mean? No, that's not an official vote. No, that's not an official decision or anything like that. It was more so because Senator Rand Paul, they wanted to take a vote on if the impeachment trial of a formal former president is constitutional. Some GOP senators are arguing that it's not, that he's gone, that we need to just let it go and let him go and move on about the situation. But of course, a lot of the Democrats and some of, well, according to the preliminary vote, five GOP senators sided with the Democrats saying, this is perfectly constitutional and you cannot set a precedent for future administrations just to say, oh, it's a get out of jail free card. If you're not impeached or indicted during your time in office, then it's too late. It's too late to prosecute. That is the precedent that this could set if they do not convict Donald Trump on the basis of process and the fact that he is out. Now, I think the GOP is also underestimating the asshat that we just got out of the White House because if they do not convict him again, he can run for president again. He'll get all of the benefits of being a former president. He'll get all of the perks, all of the financial, all of that. So it's really a double-edged sword when it comes to this, but... You know, hopefully they convict, hopefully they don't, whatever. But we need 17 GOP senators to side with the Democrats in order for a conviction to occur. And right now that seems unlikely, but let's keep hope alive. Um, as far as immigration, so we all, I'm sorry, that was the end of the impeachment trial update because literally there's nothing else. Oh, the only other thing is out of quote, an extraordinary abundance of caution. Uh, the presiding president pro tempore, who the senator basically who was presiding over the impeachment trial, was sent to the hospital. Uh, Representative Leahy, he is seasoned, if you will. So they didn't really give a lot of information on, you know, what was wrong. All they said was he wasn't feeling well. So. They took him to the hospital just out of an abundance of caution. Now, hopefully that, you know, means that he'll be fine. Uh, he's home now. It was a very brief hospitalization. Um, so, you know, hopefully nothing serious. Hopefully it won't happen again. Um, but yeah, that, that was the only other update. Now, Biden immigration. Biden, since he got in office, has done, he's already signed over, signed over, signed quite a bit of reforms and other executive actions in order to try and move some things through. He has signed six executive actions, including a hundred day pause on a lot of the deportations from America. 
um, I mentioned, I briefly mentioned that before. Well, now a U.S. judge here is, we talked about federal judges last year um, on the show. Federal judges, one Trump appointed federal judge has now um, allowed or ruled in favor of a Texas attorney who filed a temporary restraining order to basically block the 100-day deportation moratorium. You can't make this up. Um, The attorney, what's his name? Tipton, I think his name is. Um, I know that's the judge. Uh, The attorney basically requested the uh, restraining order last week. The U.S. judge Tipton went through with it. So A.G. Paxton, that's the attorney, is arguing that it's the moratorium is violating federal law. And apparently there was some agreement with the late in the Trump administration that before the Department of Homeland Security could make any moves to, quote, reduce, redirect, reprioritize, relax or in any way modify immigration form enforcement. They had to consult with Texas and other states that it, quote, impacted. I think that this is ridiculous. Now, the Biden administration's response is basically saying Trump didn't have the power to do that. The Trump administration did not have the power to try and make a deal with states in this fashion to control the power that a future department, a future administrative department would have. In other words, Trump's administration did not have the power to decide what the Department of Homeland Security could and could not do and who they had to consult under the Biden administration. You can't do that. Um, So that alone knocks that out. However, the Trump appointed U.S. federal judge uh, Tipton ruled in favor of Paxton's argument, saying that it is unconstitutional and it would cause, you know, basically irreparable damage and security gaps and everything else because they have, they're at the border. So they, you know, have one of the most, they're a hub, essentially, is what they're saying. You can't close down our hub. You cannot do a 100-day moratorium because we won't be able to secure the border and effectively do our job, was essentially the argument that Paxton was put forth before this judge and the judge ruled in favor of him. It's a 14-day restraining order against the 100-day moratorium. That does not mean that after 14 days, it will continue back you know, where it was or anything. This is just... BS, honestly. It's really just BS. I don't know any other way to to describe it. It is complete and utter nonsense and BS. Um, President Biden is trying to do a lot of work and make good, actually, on some of the promises that were made during the Obama administration. Um, So he's really breaking with Obama's first 100 days. Obama was going to do, you know, a lot with immigration. Again, no shade. We can have that conversation later. But he did this moratorium. He stopped the wall construction. He canceled the travel ban. He he signed a lot of executive actions. So I, I think that I think and a lot of organizations think that this is good. Now, there has been some criticism, of course, saying this is not enough and it's not. Honestly, all of the damage that has been done as far as immigration policies and ICE and everything else Um It will take years for us to try and 
rework the system in an equitable fashion. Now, Biden is trying to pass a larger reformation bill with an eight-year pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants. That is also going to take some time. So all of the other actions that he is putting forth are in an effort to kind of get some immediate work going while he works on passing the reformation bill. He's trying to end the uh, migrant protection protocols program which is another trash program um, about 65,000 people are stranded uh, on the other side without shelter or support in very dangerous Mexico cities while they are awaiting basically to have their day in court Biden trying to end that program because it is not safe and it is not a protection protocol like it it just isn't so there's a lot going on um that biden is trying to do including the reformation bill i hope that he gets that bill through but i foresee a lot of back and forth when it comes to the reformation bill i think that this uh u.s judge tipton and attorney general paxton can uh <laughs> God loves me, so I won't say that. Um, go to hell. Just, this is absolutely ridic ridiculous. Paxton also backed and supported and put forth um, the fight to try and overturn Biden's victory that he did get, um, albeit not as much of a victory as it should have been, but it was still a landslide vote. Biden got the most votes he beat Obama's record, so um, let it go. But I really think that all of these policy changes for immigration hopefully will do, do good work. We need good work. Let's get good work. Um, of course, this is not enough, but like I said, this is a start. Um, he's doing a start when it comes to immigration, but he's also trying to do a start when it comes to criminal justice reform which also isn't enough. I have more on that coming up next. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. So pray, pray saints, pray. If you are a praying man, woman, pray that he gets some more immigration through without too much blockage and back and forth. And also pray that they convict that asshat 45 because my God today, if they don't send that man to jail for something, one, and honestly, quite honestly, if Congress doesn't convict him, if the Senate doesn't convict him, I, there's a list of people, I'm sure, waiting to take him down. So he needs to be convicted on all fronts. Terrible human being, bigly, bigly bad. So I've got more show coming up for you next. You don't want to miss it. I'll be right back. Agree? Disagree? Be heard. Record your feedback on today's show and email it to tiffanytalks at bossfm.com. You may hear yourself on a future show. Welcome 
welcome back to Tiffany Talks. So private prisons, um, a lot of people don't know that there are even private prisons in this country, but there are. Um, what is a private prison? A private prison is exactly what it sounds like. It is a privately owned and operated prison. So I've mentioned the prison industrial complex on this show before and on other shows that I have been on. Um, there prisons should not make some big wig a lot of money because you are just locking people up but that is exactly what it is it is the business of prison so president biden has now signed an order for the department of justice to end relying on private prisons this is a big deal um it also involves some language to try and uh reverse some of the damage of discriminatory housing policies and get rid of discriminatory housing policies um it's a lot towards he's basically trying to work on some of the racial equity promises that he made as well as criminal justice reform now before president biden and vice president kamala harris even got into office you all heard me criticize their criminal justice uh backgrounds basically in different ways um so president biden you know had a hand in the three strike deal not deal three strike legislation that after three strikes you get a, a, the maximum sentence basically and it has been disproportionately affecting black brown and disenfranchised communities since that passed in the 90s uh with vice president kamala harris's prosecutorial uh history of convictions and drug convictions and convictions with black and brown bodies I could sit here and talk about both of those all day, but we are here now. We have them as president and vice president. So it sounds like, looks like he's trying to take a very, very, and I mean very small step when it comes to the prison industrial complex and criminal justice reform. Um, it does end privately, the reliance on privately run prisons with the uh, Department of Justice. It does not, however, uh, prevent the reliance on um, privately run immigration detention centers. So we just talked about immigration in the last segment. Um, it doesn't end that. So again, this is a very small step. It will impact about 9% of the federal prisons. Now, for-profit prisons, uh, also private prisons, are... First of all, y'all know how I feel about prisons. Y'all know how I feel about you know, mass incarceration, all of that. For anyone new here who does not know how I feel about it, I hate it. I hate the prison industrial complex. I think we need huge reforms across the board um, that we just have a lot of work to do. Private prisons is one of them. I could sit here and again, that's a whole other show, um, but essentially, there's a lot of profit being made in the prison industrial complex. Private prisons is part of that. Now, not too long ago, I think it was one or two years ago, banks started to pull the funding from private prisons, which 
is good because no banks should be having uh, anything to do with the prison industrial complex. So I think that banks were pulling out of funding of private prisons was a first step. We've got a lot of steps to go. Um, PNC was one of the banks that pulled out of the private prison industry. But GEO Group, who owns some of the private prisons, has of course been speaking against the um, the legis- the action that President Biden just signed, of course, because it's going to dig into their bottom line. Uh, Bank of, of America was another one that cut ties and. I think that when it comes to the funding of private prisons, first of all, let's just let's just take a look at the money side of it. This is a trillion dollar industry. Trillion, not billion, not million. Trillion dollar industry. Like, are you kidding me? There was a study um, by Citigroup that said the gross domestic product, U.S. gross domestic product lost $16 trillion over the last 20 years as a result of discriminatory practices that could range from education, access to business loans. We all know that access to business loans are discriminatory um, among a plethora of disproportionate issues and disproportionately affected communities. So if we were to, this is the same study, if we were to redirect some of the access, and I don't know, get rid of discriminatory policies and actions, then the same study said the economy will be boosted by $5 trillion just over the next five years. Now their study of losing 16 trillion was over the last 20 years. They're saying over the next five years, we could boost the economy by $5 trillion if we got rid of discriminatory practices and inequitable access to business loans and education and other resources in disenfranchised communities. That is not a small number by any stretch of the imagination. Like this is a problem, I don't know. There's really no other way to say it. Now, as you know, and if you don't know, I'm in school. I took a class, I've taken a couple of criminal justice classes since I started um, my master's program. One of them was restorative justice. It was, it's still one of the favorite classes that I have taken thus far. Um, If you don't know what restorative justice is, I'm going to give a very brief highlight and then I'll tell you where you can kind of see restorative justice in action on TV. Restorative justice is an alternative approach to um, retribution on the side of the offender. It also gives voice to AK, to victims, also, you know, survivors, 
any terminology you want to use, but it t- brings both parties to the table and involves both parties in the consequences and in the healing process. When you really think about a court trial case, you don't get to hear from the victim or I hate that word. You don't get to hear from the impacted individuals until maybe sentencing. So they don't really have a say too much well, for the majority of the time. The impacted don't really get a say in the consequences of the offender or of the accused. Restorative justice kind of, I don't want to say fixes that, it addresses that. And it brings both parties to some sort of agreement. Now, there are different ways, different methods of doing restorative justice. There are healing circles. There are, um, you know, different activities that they can do. It's it's different organizations have different things, different, different methods of doing restorative justice. This is starting to get... I'm Pequeno Traction in prosecutors offices. We need more prosecutors in this country. We also need more judges in this country to look at restorative justice as an option for alternative sentencing approaches. It can include doing community service while participating in a healing circle. You basically bring the impacted and the accused together to find what will count as rehabilitation what will count as retribution what you know not just throwing someone in jail because that what healing does that bring if someone was murdered it doesn't bring that loved one back it doesn't prevent future crime from happening except you've locked this person up in some cell where you know I could go back to private prisons and not private and all of that but it, it what good does it do if we are going to other countries have much better rehabilitation methods from misdemeanors to felony murders they just have much better um alternative sentencing approaches when it comes to consequences of punishment retribution healing whatever you want to call it um we need to do a better job in this country of just not just throwing people behind bars let's look at individual cases and that gets into the whole issue of public defenders being overloaded with work and and workloads and it's a whole other situation that needs to be addressed but if we can start looking at alternative sentencing approaches and start looking more at rehabilitation start looking more at mental health awareness and education and resources instead of just throwing everyone in prison for profit or you know, federal prison, whatever. I also talked yesterday or last week, I think, about Illinois passing legislation that would get rid of wealth-based bond. Those type of moves are what we need. Now, this President Biden action that he has signed is a very small step in a right direction, but it is a very, very, very small step. Private prisons need to go. No one should be profiting off of the suffering or off of the trauma that happens when someone is locked up in prison. No one should be profiting off of the throwing away of a life. It, it just, I don't, I don't even know why that's a thing. Um, I could sit here and talk about restorative justice all day, but I've got more show for you. So 
look into private prisons, look into restorative justice. If you want to see an example of restorative justice, I was catching up on um, one of my favorite shows that I've mentioned on the show before, All Rise. Phenomenal, phenomenal show. Uh, They did an episode where one of the prosecutors was trying to use restorative justice. It is a good example of the good, the bad, the ugly, the um, work that needs to be and can be done in the area of alternative sentencing. So I've recommended that show before. I'm going to recommend it again. I highly, highly, highly recommend watching All Rise. Um, It's on CBS All Access. So catch it if you can. It's on just watch it. It's a really good show. That is not the end of me talking about private prisons and restorative justice and the prison industrial complex by far, but I have much more show for you. You don't want to miss it. Um, So stay tuned. We're taking a quick break. More Tiffany Talks after these messages. Welcome back to Tiffany Talks. If you missed any of the first hour of the show, I gave a very quick impeachment trial update, talked about um, some of the Biden immigration reform policies and actions that he's taking, uh, another action that he took against private prisons, and mentioned uh, restorative justice and alternative sentencing when it comes to uh, prison reform, criminal justice reform. So if you missed any part of that, uh, don't forget, you can always check out the podcast on Spotify and Apple podcast um, and check out the rest of the show that you missed or definitely check out previous episodes. Um, You also want to make sure you follow and subscribe so that you can get an alert when new episodes are loaded. So, uh, and you should also just set an alarm to listen live Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. If you are listening to the podcast right now, you should just set an alarm now, put it on your calendar, set a reminder. Oh yeah, tune to Boss FM. Yeah, thanks, do that. Uh, Coming up for the rest of the show, Erica Campbell has opened up her mouth again. So I'm going to briefly talk about the comment that she made. And then I want to hit a little bit on what I call sin culture. Um, And then I have another segment that I want to introduce the Bible review. What is the Bible review? First of all, it is review, R-E-V-U-E, not R-E-V-I-E-W, R-E-V-U-E. The Bible review is my theatrical approach to talking about the Bible. Now, I want to warn you, this is not just your average canonical Bible stories. I'm not just going to sit here and tell you about Job and... Ruth and Esther and all of that. This will be my (laughs) theologically sound, mind you, retelling of certain stories, but giving context and information. Now, what do I mean by canonical for those listening who are not seminary students or churched kids? um, I just mean it will not all just be what is in your regular Holy Bible. I will talk about the Apocrypha in this segment. I will talk about stories that aren't even in the Apocrypha. I will talk about just different things that are biblical, but maybe not necessarily in the Bible. Why it didn't go in the Bible, all of that. So that's what the Bible review is. So that will be in the last half of the show. You don't want to miss that. Um, So I've got much more coming up for you. So uh, keep it locked. Again, follow, subscribe, do all the things you need to do. Go grab your coffee, go grab your tea, and then bring it right back here. I'll be right back. 
This is Tiffany Talks with Tiffany Linnell. Welcome back to Tiffany Talks. So if you've missed any part of the show, of course, check out the podcast. Um, Yeah. Anywho, Erica Campbell. Girl, sis, ma'am, sister Campbell. I really would like you to figure out a way to... Let me just tell you what happened first. So... Erica Campbell said that she believes she's giving married pastors guidance. And so she says that married pastors should not, well, pastors, but especially married pastors, should not like sexy photos of women. Quote, hey, preachers, pastors, You should rethink liking the pictures of ladies in sexy bikinis, especially when you're married, even when the caption is deep and spiritual. You shouldn't double tap. I'm just saying. You know, rumors are saying she's that it was, you know, directed at Jamal Bryant of pastor of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church, New Birth Church here in Atlanta. Um, That's just a rumor, though. She has not confirmed nor denied that. That Jamal Bryan is a whole other show. I'm not getting into all of his BS. So this is not the first time that Erica Campbell has said something that is uh, um, whatever. Before she said, you cannot hoe so whole seeds and think you're going to reap marriage benefits. Now she later clarified those statements saying she said that and what she meant by that was monogamy must be practiced. It's not something that happens automatically. If you're in the practice of sleeping around, doing whatever, and I'm coming from a believer's perspective because that's what I am. I know there's a benefit in being with one person that was God's design for our life. I know that a lot of people dealing with broken hearts, they'll say, fine, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. And you can, but the benefits of marriage are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, Sister Campbell, that's all fine and well for you. Here is something I want her and other people like her to do. This comes after a friend of mine sent uh, a post that they saw on social media where someone messaged them and told them to take down a picture where they had their chest out. It was a man. Um, He didn't really have his chest out. There was like a button, maybe two unbuttoned at the top of the picture. It was not a bad picture at all. And as I was reading the post, I was like, people really sit here all day and like shame and judge what people are doing on social media. That is none of your business. What people do on their social media, what people, pictures, pastors married or whatever are liking or not liking is between them, their spouse and God. Mind your business. Here's my issue with what I'm calling sin culture. Everyone, the, the church, and this is a generalization, so if it applies to your church, then, you know, you know, um, or somebody in your family, because I mean, the people inside the church and even outside of the church who are Christians, so to speak, you do not have the right to condemn someone else for their alleged sin of what you deem sin in their life. That is their life. 
period. Mind the business that pays you. None of us have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. That is not our job as Christians. That's not our job as believers of, of Christ. That That is just, that's just not our job. Mind your business. Who cares what pastors are double tapping? I don't care. Can you, do you know God? Can you lead people to knowing who God truly is and not some condemning, judgmental, almighty, sovereign God that is just looking to put everybody in hell for every little thing that they do, like double tapping a picture on Instagram? Who gives a flying, mm, I don't care. And something just tells me God doesn't care either. I could be wrong. We'll see. But I doubt it. If you continue this this is why people are straying away from calling themselves Christians this is why people especially my generation and the generation right after me say things like I cannot with religion I'm spiritual this is why people don't of varying different generations but definitely my generation don't feel like dealing with the church. Don't feel like sitting in nobody's pew because I don't need you judging me and condemning my actions every Sunday. You can actually keep that. So yes, Erica Campbell and others like her, marriage can be beautiful for you, but you don't know what trauma, what triggers people have to deal with and heal from. It may not be beautiful for them like it is for you. You don't know people's history. You don't know their context. You don't know their story. You just don't know because it's none of your business. So yes, while being with one person may have been God's design for your life, marriage may have been the design for your life. You cannot put your sins, your grievances, your issues, your quote unquote hierarchy of right and wrong on somebody else. That is not your place. Stay in your place. I hate sin culture. I hate condemnation. I hate judgment. Mind your own business, period. I'm off of my soapbox. I have more show coming up for you. You don't want to miss the Bible review. I have that coming up next. Agree? Disagree? Be heard. Record your feedback on today's show and email it to TiffanyTalks at BossFM.com. You may hear yourself on a future show. Welcome back to Tiffany Talks. I am your host, Tiffany Linnell. Um, So, Bible review. If you missed the little preview snippet, then I'll tell you what that is. Bible review, R-E-V-U-E, not R-E-V-I-E-W, but R-E-V-U-E, is my kind of different approach to talking about Bible stories, Bible information, Bible knowledge, all of that other good stuff. Um, Now... Today's segment, you know, will just be an introductory segment. Um, I won't dig deep into a particular story or anything today, but I want to kind of tell you, give you some context of where I'm coming from, because that will help us along our journey together. So the Bible for me is a very interesting, unfolding drama, story, narrative, whatever you want to call it. I 
know a lot of denominations, a lot of churches, you'll hear them say, you know, the Bible, the infallible Bible, the infallible Bible says that the Bible, this, or if they don't say it, if you, most, most churches have their beliefs or their core values, goal, uh, core values, systems, principles, whatever on their website. And even if it's not mentioned in sermons or, you know, regular services or whatever, it will often say in those bylaws, core values, principles of the church, the infallible, we believe the Bible is infallible. What does that mean? It means without stain, without issue, without whatever. It is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The end all be all. That's it. There's no errors in it. Period. Deal with the contradictions and all that it entails. That is what infallible means. Now, I disagree with this. I disagree with this because there is a human process, human processes that have taken place to make what we now call the Bible. Do I believe it is the inspired word of God? Absolutely. Do I believe that humans can make mistakes? Absolutely. Do I believe that humans don't have the tendency to come to situations um, without, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We all come with preconceived notions, ideas, ideologies, thoughts, all of the things that feed into our daily actions, determinations, decisions, all of that. When the Bible was being put together, there was that applied to that as well. So as humbly as I can say this, um, the people who wrote it, the people who put it together weren't perfect, period. So when you really read the Bible in totality, there's a lot of contradictions. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of do this, don't do that. There's there's a lot, but there's a lot of context that needs to go with that as well. There are also different versions of the Bible. So, you know, not all Bibles are not created equal, especially in different cultures and different religions and different denominations, different Bibles are used. So why am I telling you all of this? I'm telling you all of this because when it comes to the Bible review, I will talk about what's in the traditional Christian Hebrew Bible, Genesis through Revelation. However, I will also talk about apocryphal books. Apocryphal books, for those who don't know, are basically books that aren't in the Bible for one reason or another. They are, uh, they have, you know, questionable authorship or they don't mention God. Esther almost didn't make it into the Bible because there's no mention of God in that, not Esther, Ruth. Ruth almost didn't make it into the Bible because there's no mention of God in the Bible. Same with the Song of Songs. There's no mention of God in the Song of Songs. So there are other books of the Bible, though, that because of their content, because it didn't serve the purpose of those that were deciding what went into the canonical Bible, whatever you want to call it, they're not in the traditional, quote unquote, Christian Bible. However, I'm going to cover all of that. I'm going to cover religious writings. I'm going to cover um, things like sayings of Jesus and the acts of Paul and Thecla. I am going to talk about all of that in the Bible review because 
I want to and this is my show <laughs> and I don't really need any other reason than that but because I think that people should know that Christianity and worship and spirituality extend beyond the traditional Genesis through Revelation canonical Bible. That is just my personal belief. I'm open to dialogue and conversation on this. So that is what Bible review will be about. I will talk about some of my favorite characters. I'll talk about characters you may not know. Um, I preached a sermon last year on Rhoda and it, I found it funny because when I was telling people what I was, who I was preaching about, um, almost everybody said who and one person who shall remain nameless said oh the woman at the gate i was like you know your bible rhoda is who i'll slightly cover today for bible review rhoda was basically the woman at the gate when peter was released from jail released by spirit uh when Peter got out of jail, he ran to the house where they were essentially praying and trying to figure out next steps and all of that. Rhoda was a maidservant at the house that Peter ran to. And she is the one who met him at the gate, ran back to the table to try and tell them, yo, 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 Peter at the gate. And they were like, girl, you crazy girl, hush. You don't know what you're talking about. He in jail. Uh, Peter was like, so don't nobody see me at this gate. I know y'all hear me. Rhoda ran back and was like, I'm trying to tell you he's at the gate. They finally went to the gate and Peter gave him the message and then bam, he was gone. He was out. He did what he came to do. So that is Rhoda. That is a, a sample of Bible review. I will, now you've probably never heard that story told like this. And if you have, then you know some great, funny, wonderful people. That is how I look at the Bible. So you're going to get some of the realest retellings of Bible stories, but I'm going to talk about stuff that's outside of the Canon Bible as well. So that's Bible review. If you have thoughts, feedback, questions, you have a particular story or burning spiritual religious question you just have to have answered, feel free to send it to me. You can email it to me, but you can also hit me up on social media. So do all of the things. Follow me on social media at Tifflanel, T-I-F-F-L-A-N-E-L-L-E, everywhere. Um, but you can also email TiffanyTalks at BossFM.com and give your feedback, thoughts, questions, concerns, disagree, agree, don't really care. Send it on and I will talk about it on air. Other than that, if you missed any part of the show today, make sure you follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you can get notifications when the latest episodes are uploaded and you, you want to listen to those. You don't want to miss those. Other than that, be sure to continue tuning in every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. right here on Boss FM. You don't want to touch the dial because Alex Haynes on Unmuted Nation is coming right up after me. Don't miss that. Don't forget, be safe, be blessed, and let God be God today. Have a blessed one. This is Tiffany Talks with Tiffany Linnell. The Tiffany Talks podcast powered by Boss FM.